You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 98 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the very clever Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Clever. Thank you, Val. I'm great. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good. What's new with you? Oh my God. I've been so productive this week. I've got so much good, you know, do you know, I find that yeah. the busier I am, yeah. the more organised I am, and the yeah. more I get done. Oh, duh. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, but, well, like, when you feel like you've got time, I procrastinate more. Obviously. <laughs> Remember, um, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Ah, so true. So I'm very, uh, very proud of my efforts. And uh, not only have I been busy with work, but, you know, I've done extra stuff like I planted stuff in the garden. What did you plant in the garden? Uh, flowers. Really? And things like that, yeah. The dog got a bath today. Oh. I mean, yeah, he looks good too. Cute. Yeah, so, you know, what have you been doing? Well, I have been recovering because um, uh, I lost my voice last week. And, in fact, in between recording our two episodes, yeah. I lost it completely. And I just didn't have any voice for like two or three days. And so it's slowly coming back now, which is good. It's, it because sounds I need better to, now. Yeah. yeah, it sounds a little bit better. Because, but, you know, I need to come back because like in a couple of days I've got to speak on a panel and after that I've got to run an eight-hour workshop where I'm speaking for the whole time. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a bit difficult if I don't have a voice. Oh, you're going to have to do all those tricks like honey and there's all sorts of things to do. Not a lot, just a little bit. You know, I I got advice on how to get my voice back. But um, anyway, we're almost there, so that's okay. So hopefully it's going to come back in full force. Excellent. And then I can talk to you because I'm going to see you this weekend. Well, we'll be hanging out, so I'll be really annoyed if we're like we have to do it via like you know miming or whatever, (laughs) or it's just me doing all the talking. Yes, (laughs) it's going to be fun, and we're going to record. We're going to. Record um, uh, an episode together while we're, yep, you know, having a bit of fun. So that should be good. Can't wait. But let's move on to the world of photography this week, shall we? Some interesting stuff has happened, hasn't it? Uh huh. So, um, well, I've got a new favourite show, Val. Yes, it's my new favourite show too. How good is it? So, so this good. is a, a show called Top Photographer. Yeah, like Top uh-huh. Model, except it's yes. Top Photographer. 
by Adorama. There's a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, do yourselves a favour. So it's uh, via YouTube. You can watch it. So yeah. access all areas across the world. Everyone, everyone can watch it. Uh, Nigel Barker is the host. Uh, mm. Amazing photographer. He was on. Um, America's Next Top Model, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's an awesome photographer and he's just such a great guy as well and a fantastic mentor. So it's like uh, five photographers from across America who Mm -hmm. battle it out every week in these challenges, very much like Top Model. And, um, you know, and uh, the winner gets like a massive prize, but they're they're like, they're they're, they're all different uh, genres of photography that they've uh, they've, uh, pulled these photographers from. I think there's a lifestyle one. There's one that's a fashion photographer. There's a uh, beauty photographer. What are the others? Um, an advertising photographer, yeah, and uh, maybe a, a travel photographer. Sports, but they've, they've all got very different styles, and so mm. so they compete uh, in different challenges. This week was a, a, a an action shot that they had yeah. to compete against. I don't want to because it's just come out. I don't want to do any spoiler, you know, uh, spoilers for the show. Just please do watch it because it's. Amazing. You learn so much, don't you? It's it just... is a cool shot. And the thing that um, – uh, well, it's only been one episode, but I already can tell that I'm going to watch the rest of the series. Yep. And in the first episode, I didn't learn so much technically, but yep. I certainly learned in terms of establishing how to establish the right rapport yes. with your subject and yes. how – and watching – how the different contestants did it. Some did it really well and some didn't do it well. And the kinds of questions they asked and the kinds of questions that worked and the assumptions that they made, that was really the most eye-opening thing for me is that sometimes photographers just make these assumptions and uh, they're just completely wrong. So um, it was definitely good and I'm going to be watching it on YouTube for sure. So, yeah, top photographer. Exactly. And what's fascinating from a photographer's perspective is we we work on our own and it's very rare that you get to watch another yes. photographer at work. So I was just like glued to the screen going, oh, is that what people say? I oh, what's know. he doing now? Oh, how's he holding the camera? Fascinating. And I can't, was going, can't take my no, eyes off it. don't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. That's chimping. Don't chimp. <laughs> so I'm like yelling at the screen saying, that's ridiculous. You should know you've got to take more shots you crazy person anyway (laughs) anyway so yes that's top photographer so apart from that what's been happening with you so I was on a location shoot, Valerie, and uh, I was oh, up right. in Sydney, and I uh, oh, yes, that one. with my uh, uh, cameras, and I take my own lighting with me. And uh, in most cases, I take my Elencrom uh, Ranger Quadra, which is a battery-operated uh, lighting system, and I choose that because it's light and it travels well, so mm-hmm. it's like it's not going to set me over the edge. Yeah. But more and more and more and more lately, I always get a hard time at the airport. So uh, because of what happened with, uh, I think it was a Samsung, there's a oh, particular yes. phone. Yeah, is it the, the Samsung? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
that uh, they did a test. All the airlines tested it, and uh, it explodes at the wrong under the wrong <laughs> conditions. So you're not allowed to have them on board or have them in your um in your in your baggage. So the airlines have sort of changed their regulations when it comes to battery operated devices. Yeah. So when you're checking in, you've got to declare that. Now, depending on who I got at the check in, depends on whether I get to. Uh, the gear gets to go through or I have to pull the batteries out and have them as carry-on. or and, and so on the way, no issues. What they do is they generally look at them, they go, okay, this is fine, uh, just tape up the contacts and it goes through, okay, which has been generally You mean ruled. it goes through in the checked-in baggage? It goes in as checked-in baggage, which mm-hmm. is great because the batteries weigh uh, a, few ki- a few extra kilos and you know how I go with my gear. I've got as much as I can possibly bring as yeah. carry-on. So... I don't want to do that. This particular trip, I got it over okay. Coming home, Val, I got the wrong. It was like the last flight out oh. of Sydney. I got the wrong chick. Yeah. And uh, so I was starving. I knew I had a spare hour. I was hanging out to go and get dumplings. Oh, okay. <laughs> Right, and uh, she just said, "No, um, I'm sorry, these can't go through." And she starts listing all these specs, and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! You're listing all the wrong specs. These are fine. Just call Hazardous Goods, get them to come up, eyeball them. It'll be fine." Mm. I said, "You know, it's so they're a sealed lead acid battery, okay, which is fine." And then she's like, no, and it's uh, the, the wattage is wrong. And she's like, no, nah, you're going to have to take the whole lot off and uh, send it by courier. No. Yeah, and I'm like, what do you mean the whole kit? I said, there's only two batteries. The rest is the lighting and the accept. She said, no, the whole kit. I'm like, no, nah, get the manager. And you know what happens at an airport whenever you make a fuss? They <laughs> shut you down very quick. I was very close. Yes. Like, I knew if I pushed it, I'd be, like, going out of there in handcuffs. Yes. They made me take the – I talked them into letting the kit go. They gave me the batteries, and mm. they made me walk across to another terminal, Val, oh. 15 minutes away oh. and get it freighted back home. No. I freighted home. Yes. And here's the irony. When I yes. got to the, the place, nice guys that they are, they looked it up. They're like, this is no problem. They should have been able to go on. Oh. And I said, well, they've, they've got my name. They've got my <laughs> details now. Then I'm not going to bring them back on now as carry on. So they said, well, the irony is they'll probably go on the same plane as, <laughs> your, as carry on. So I followed up. And I actually wrote to the uh, airline and yes. emailed them and uh, contacted their dangerous goods uh, compliance officer, <laughs> sent them all the specs because I don't want this to happen again. Ooh. And the word is, she said, as your non-spillable battery does not exceed 12 volts and 100 watts, I can confirm that it is permitted for carriage. Wow. So I've now, and she said, you can use this email um, uh, next time and you yes. won't have any problems. So uh, if any of you are traveling, just be aware of that. And uh, it's different with all different airlines, but uh, find out the, uh, the, the, the wattage of your uh, batteries Ooh. and uh, of what they're made of and get that ahead of time so you don't come to grief at the airport because if you're traveling to a job mm. and they don't let them on, you, you could be in trouble. So, yeah. Wow, that was, great uh, that was a, Yes, that was uh, an Who exciting. Knew that and I missed a... dinner, Val. I missed dinner. Oh, was... Can you get it on the plane? <laughs> no, 
And so, and it was like the airport was closed. Nothing, you know, the only place that was open was um, Macca's. Oh. That's it. Missed out on my dump. That's McDonald's for our North American listeners. In Australia, we call it Macca's. You change it, you shorten everything. Yeah. (laughs) And you put a vowel at the end. So, you you know, you talk about Jono and Dano. Dano. And you go to the bolo, which is the bowling club. The bolo. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know. The botlo is the bottle shop. The botlo is the bottle shop, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, that's right. is a sandwich. That's right. (laughs) But this is not a lesson in the English language in Australia. So, yeah, great tip, great advice, Gina. I will be travelling on a plane to see you in yep. a few days. And you're I not bringing your lights, think... are you, Val? I am. I'm bringing lights. I'm going to bring lights. I'm going to show you my new lights. Are you bringing lights? I am. This is the first time I'm going to be bringing you lights. So, what? um I bet I better look up stuff. Yes, mm. you should look up stuff if they're portable lights. Yes, you need to do that, Val. Yes. Mm. Okay, I will do so, mm. and I will show you my lights. Okay, I can't Ooh. wait. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure they don't compare with your lights, Gina, but, you know, I like them and hope you say nice things about them. I will say nice things about them, I promise, Val. <laughs> All right, so you have a link for us about Nutella. So... The FDA in the US are asking for submissions on um, Nutella and what they want to find out is what an actual – they want to uh, reclassify what an actual serve of Nutella is. Right. right? And so a serving size. And so – yeah, and so – Nutella is um, – they say that the serving size was two tablespoons and uh-huh. the FDA want to reduce that – like the FDA is saying it's two tablespoons. Nutella want it reduced to one and you just spread it lightly so that the uh, the, the spread mm-hmm. is uh, – it gets reclassified as a, like a breakfast spread, like, you know, like peanut butter and butter and okay. things like that. That's ridiculous, Val. Everyone knows that a standard serve of Nutella is the jar, right? Yeah. Well, it is where you're concerned. And it's the jar. Can I just say, listeners, that she's not joking because one day she came to – Gina came to my house and I had a full jar of Nutella. I'm not joking. It wasn't like a kilo jar. It wasn't the half kilo. But it was, it was still two, one of the – it wasn't the little one. It was like two, the big jar. And what? the next day it was gone. I'm not joking. I actually yeah. thought – like. You know, she'd eat a lot of it, but yeah. the next day it was gone. There was no more Nutella yeah. left overnight. But that's how you eat Nutella, Val. That's how you eat it. And it's like you open it, you can't put the lid back and put it away. You have to finish it in one sitting. So to the okay. FDA, if you're listening, one standard serve is one jar. Everybody okay. knows that. They just needed to uh, – and several listeners, thank you, sent me that link. Um, they just needed to come to me first and I okay. would have uh, Thank you for that. sharing that very yes. important piece of information on this photography podcast, Gina. Not a problem, Val. <laughs> more than a photography podcast. Let's, yeah, more. Uh, so we want to give a shout-out to Mark Hamilton. Now, he's right 
writing a review on iTunes where he's given us a five-star review. Thank you, Mark. He under Mark Hamilton Photos and he's called it Outstanding Content Delivered in a Funny and Relatable Way. So Mark has said, found this podcast after listening to a few others and by far Gina and Valerie deliver some of the best tips, tricks and thoughts on photography in a way that is so easily relatable. Gina and Valerie's down-to-earth and honest comments and banter make it easy to binge listen. If you want to improve your photography, this podcast will open your eyes to the industry and the art of being a photographer. Great job, Gina and Valerie. Keep up the spectacular work and thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. That's, that's awesome. very cool. Yes. That's, that's made our day. I yes. I'm sure I speak for Gina when I say yeah, that. That's so it. cool. Um, yeah, really appreciate it for that you took the time to do that on iTunes. And, of course, if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because it keeps us in the rankings. Mm. All right. So I'm really excited about this week's episode, which is how to work with Phil Light because yep. that's something I've just been mucking around with lately in the past week yep. actually because I've been shooting a few things and um any new lights fell not well I wanted only a little bit actually because in the end I got distracted by from the new lights that's why I want to bring them this weekend okay. I got All distracted right. because I was using fill light instead from like reflections ah, you see okay mm. so okay that is um so, and, and because that was just more, I don't know, I just wanted to do it, you know, and it was interesting because at different times of the day, they were, the, the, the reflections were different and yeah. um, just comparing the shots was interesting. So I did use my new lights just a little bit, but really not enough. And that's why I'm keen to um, bring them down to a bit them. of a workshop, Val, with yeah, me. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. then you might make fun of my lights, so I don't I'm think I'll I'm not going to make fun of that. your lights. What have I ever made fun of that you have? Oh, you much. do. You like much. what? What if I do? <laughs> what? <laughs> Name one thing. You make fun of some things that I have and do. You know, they're not like as good quality as I'm sure they'll be great. Anyway, how to work with Phil Light. So where yep. are we going to start on this? Perhaps first, can you define Phil Light? Who this guy Phil is <laughs> and why we need him in yes. our life. Yes. So the definition of fill light is it's a supplementary light used in photography or filming that does not change the character of the main light and is used chiefly to lighten shadows. That's the okay. Wikipedia um, uh, definition, Val. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the light does the light can be an actual artificial light, or it can yeah. be reflected light. It's any kind of yes. thing to mainly light and shadows. Okay, I understand. Yes. So hmm. let's put this simply, or in in my language, <laughs> it's used to reduce contrast and add more light to shadow areas of an image. Um, so uh, a portrait, say a portrait taken at midday on a bright sunny day. Think about that portrait. They've got the sun right overhead. It's going yep. to be, uh, if you've got bright sunshine, um, it's going to be high contrast lighting. So that means when I say high contrast, the difference uh, between the shadow areas and the um, highlight areas is, is, is not great. So it's very dark in the shadows and mm. very bright in the highlights and mm. the transition isn't that smooth. High contrast. Yes. Okay. So um, the, 
the eyes don't get any sunlight, so they're very dark and rac- raccoony, and so is uh, under the chin, etc. So you would use fill light ideally to lower the contrast so you get more detail in your shadow areas and uh, the transition from shadow to highlight is a lot smoother and you end up with a a prettier image Val a nicer image so are the eyes actually darker or you mean the eye sockets so the eye sockets it'll make everything like if you're if you're lighting very very high contrast everything like you know, you have very dark darks and very light lights. Yes. You know, so, yep. okay. and if you're doing portraits that are high contrast, you know, it'll be hard to uh, see detail. It brings out, uh, you know, so when you've got high contrast lighting uh, on someone's face, it means that if their face is lined, you're going to actually, yep. um, ex- you know, bring all those details out. And uh, not everyone lo- likes to uh, accentuate those sorts of details when they're doing a portrait unless you want to do a character portrait then that's great but so like, you for know. example my cat rex who has beautiful blue blue eyes gorgeous gorgeous like stunning stunning well, sometimes when it's high contra- contrast his eyes actually don't look blue at all they look quite dark so i need to be using fill light if you use fill light, yes, and the right kind of soft light, then um, you would be able to see uh, the blue of his eyes. But definitely the wrong light, you're not going to be able to see them. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just like everything comes back to <laughs> how you can make Rexy look better. Yeah. Never mention Rocky. Oh, yeah, Rocky never. too. Well, Rocky yeah. never gets used as an example. You just mentioned Rexy. You favour him. No, I love them both. They have issues, Val, when you favour one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So so the thing about fill is good fill shouldn't be noticeable, okay? So um, it's in the background. So you know when you cook a dish or you go to a restaurant and you eat something like you know the say you have a fish meal mm. the herbs and spices that they use shouldn't overpower the meal so if there's mm-hmm. one particular herb or spice that stands out mm. and overpowers the fish that's not a great thing because all you remember is oh my god the coriander was just like oh, it no, tasted I like coriander that. I like put <laughs> the entire bunch of coriander <laughs> into my fish I love so, coriander so you but I should so, own a so coriander what, farm. But say if there was a spice that was like, you know, uh, like aniseed. Something yeah, not that good. I, I don't like aniseed By the way, all. for our North Americans, coriander. Oh, the, cilantro, yeah. Cilantro, yeah. Yeah. Um, why is it such a different oh, name? I don't know. <laughs> it's very confusing. I don't know. It's like in America when you say, oh, I really lucked out, it means that you got lucky. But in Australia, mm. it means that you're bummed out, as in you didn't bummed get out. lucky. Yeah, 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 so that's confusing. Um, no one understands me in America. I have to change the way I speak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, but the listeners do, so that's good. Yeah. If you have a latte, Val, yes. and all you can taste is milk, you know, that really milky, that's not a good thing. You want it, like the coffee is the main ingredient. You don't want the milk to overpower the coffee. And like, let me give you an analogy that you will understand. Okay. Wine, Val. Yes. The ingredients in wine, if like, you know, you know how they, uh, 
use different uh, uh, timbers, like they, they whatever they use in the in in the um in the wine to bring out the subtle little flavours that yes. I never really can taste. Like oak or oaken and uh, walnut and all of that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. if you drank wine and all you could taste was walnut, uh-huh. right? I wouldn't know any difference because I'm really not very clever with wine. But so I'm not very discerning with wine. No, neither am I. I just drink it and I'm happy, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> I go I get by your the point. label too. That's how I buy wine. If it's a pretty label. Like, yeah, oh, I know. looks pretty. I know. Me too. <laughs> I actually label and price. I sort of, if there's a certain price point, I'm like, oh, it must be okay if it's at <laughs> this price point. Yes. Um, so the ingredients support the main players, but never overpower. Okay. So bad fuel, bad fuel stands out like doggy cojones, Val. Just stands out, right? Okay. Um, and if a shot, if a shot looks uh, like lit, you've overdone it. You so mean too it, much fuel? You mean it, it looks, shouldn't look lit? It shouldn't look obviously lit. Okay. And so, you know, there, and I certainly, uh, you know, when I was starting out with lighting, I had a tendency to overlight everything and overfill everything. So, like, you can have your main light and then the fill light that you use can actually end up just flattening your whole image. So mm. you want to keep those subtle shadows in there because that's what gives it. Like if you're shooting a portrait, that's what gives it its shape and it's uh, the, the contrast is good. And when you over do it and add too much fill and typically this this is what I did when I first started lighting I had both my lights I would use two soft boxes evenly lit both sides mm. flat, flat lighting no no depth no mm. character and mm. so and then I would overlight as well so like you know if I was doing shots outside and when we first started using fill flash outside we mm. all overdid it you know we just overlit and then it's like everyone sort of stood out like glowed out there so it's right. great to be able to bring it in and kind of use it uh, in a natural way when okay. it's, if you're using artificial light. But there's lots of different types of fill. So I want to just break those down next for you, Val. Okay. okay. So the, you can use have natural fill or you can have artificial fill. So um, there, if you look around when you're shooting uh, portraits, there, there's like lots of really good examples of where you can find natural fill light. Um, and so we just – work with portraits for this uh, for all of these examples because it okay. gets too confusing otherwise um, so if you're down at the beach and uh, you are photographing someone and you're um, on a beach where it's yellow sand or white sand mm-hmm. and the sun is out the fact that you've got people standing on the sand that and the sun is hitting that sand that is natural field because what happens is the sun, hits the sand and bounces back and gives you beautiful fill light. Yes. Now, okay. You know yeah, now go on. Doesn't work. What doesn't work? Because you're not going to get a natural fill because black absorbs light. Sorry, so I, we, I just lost beaches. you there, Gina. I think the your, your your audio just cut out for a second. So what what you were you saying doesn't work? 
So if you're if you're at a beach, you want white sand or yellow sand, okay? Yes. But if you you know those beaches where it's black sand? Yeah, like in Hawaii. Yeah, it doesn't work because of black course. absorbs light. Right, yes, okay? of course. So you, you so you need to find and there are beaches How where about the, the beaches near me because the beaches my local beach, it's not the traditional yellow sand or white sand, it's kind of orange sand. That would be uh, – I'd need to see it because we haven't even managed – oh, hang on. At the car, at your beach, yeah. your place, mm. it's, it's orange. It's, yeah, because of the way the rocks are in this oh, geographic area. So it picks area. up the um, – oh, right, right, right. Uh, that would cast a bit of a um, – put a colour cast over your shot, mm. actually. So mm-hmm. – um, yeah, you need to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm going to break down the best surfaces for fill light and the not so good surfaces for fill light right. uh, after I give these examples. So hold that thought, okay? Okay, all right. Hold that thought. So, um, beach is great, water is great. So I've got an example in the show notes uh, of a uh, a model that I photographed in Hawaii, Val, Ooh. and she's kind of backside lit but the great thing about this shot is the water and the sand actually reflected the light back into her face and you end up getting a bit like a beautiful light so natural fill light look out for it and you can actually position your models to use it And, and 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 it looks natural Yes. I have had to pull out the flash or any artificial lighting. Because the, and because the light, the actual sun is sort of from behind, you mm. would imagine that she would be too backlit. You would imagine that, you know, she would be shadowy at the front. But, yeah, as you say, it's just the perfect exposure because of the reflection from the water and the sand. It's a great shot. And, of course, we'll put all of these shots in the show notes, which you'll find at ginamilitia.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the other the other kind of surface that is uh, great as a natural fill, and I use this all the time, and I'm always looking out for it, is like concrete. Um, yes. So concrete, the natural colour of concrete is like a, a light light grey or a, a white, or like some sometimes they're earthy tones. Mm. Perfect, perfect, perfect fill. So um, in the show notes, I've got another couple of examples of a uh, a shot that I did. Uh, in Sicily recently where I've got a gentleman and uh, here's an example of the raccoon eyes. He's standing in Mm. full sun, all right, and the sun is overhead and so his eyes, the sockets of his eyes, the sun can't actually get in there so they're Mm. much darker and you get that raccoon eye effect. So um, there's no fill. It's not not that the sun isn't in the right position to get into his eyes. So Mm. what you want to do is just by changing his position and what I did is I just asked him to scooch back uh, into a uh, – there was like a, a kind of a, a – a, um what are they called? An like a vault, an archway, or a vault, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was in open shade then, Val. Mm. And just in front of him, the sun was beating down onto the pavement, which was like a very light sandstone. Mm-hmm. Hit the sun hits the pavement and bounces back into his face, mm. and you've got beautiful fill light. Yes, right? yes, it looks fantastic. Lovely. And there's and no a, more dark sockets. No more dark sockets, and you've got like a lovely catch light 
in the eyes, uh, which really bring the eyes to life. So mm. that's another kind of natural way to find fill light. The other one is if you're uh, in the city uh, mm. at different times of the day, you know how you get the cities which, which um, they have, uh, the skyscrapers have like mirrored windows. Yes. And the glass, mm. that that is like a giant fill. So like, when I was in Japan recently, uh, in the city, it like the entire city feels like it's lit, uh, mm. it, no matter what time of the day, because the light from the sun uh, hits the uh, sides of these buildings and just bounces fill light around everywhere. So everyone looks like they're lit. Wow. It looks like you feel like you're on the set of a movie. So <laughs> there's an example of uh, the the four young guys that look like some Japanese boy band yes. that were standing there. You can see there's an example uh, in the show notes here. They're standing on a like a zebra crossing, and yes. you can see the shadows. Val, they yeah, are absolutely. completely backlit by yes. the sun, mm. right? But all their faces are lit beautifully, it's and that's fantastic. because directly behind me was one of those massive towers with the mirrored uh, glass on the outside. So the sun hits the hits the glass and bounces light back onto them, and you've got perfect fill light. So you can then shoot uh, your images that are backlit by the sun and and beautifully filled. You don't need to add anything else to this shot. So as a rule, so but- this is this is a really good shot. And as Gina mentioned, it's four young guys that are really trendy. They look like they're, you know, what I imagine is from the Harajuku district, but I've never been there. So really, what would I know? But they're very, um, very trendy and very hip. And they are standing on a zebra crossing. It's a little bit Abbey Road like. And uh, as Gina mentioned, she is they um, are backlit, but they their faces are being lit by the building in front of them where which is behind Gina now yeah. my question is did you um figure the out the location first and think oh I hope someone will work on that zebra crossing so that building can can fill can fill their faces as I take a photo of them or did this happen by accident how did this photo happen uh no, that's what that whole place is like. So that, like, I knew that that, that whole area looked uh, amazing. I'm like, this place is just lit, like, uh, you know. Right. So I did uh, uh, stand and wait for a, a little minute and then, you know, you don't have to wait long in Tokyo for right. something good to appear to photograph because it's just like it's Disneyland for photographers. It really yeah. is. There's so many great characters. But, I'm, yeah, so uh, I didn't have to wait long. But, you know, if if, if if I was in another location and there was only one building that had that kind of light, I'd probably just camp out and wait for something to happen to, yeah, to right. get a great shot or bring someone in and go, look, light here is amazing. So, like, you know, no matter where you live and, and your city, you would have uh, locations like this around. If yeah. you see it, make a mental note of it, note it down, add it to your diary, uh, you know, keep it in your collection of great locations, note the time of day. Maybe uh, if you've got a friend that's out with you, get a shot of that location because it might be that you're asked to do a series of lifestyle shots or a series of headshots for people and Mm. you can really speed up the process if you're not having to stop and light everything and you just wrote okay three o'clock in the afternoon this location you know three o'clock in the afternoon at this time of the year because obviously the light changes is superb let's um let's do this shot fantastic 
Okay, um, cool. All right, so let's just have a quick talk about the uh, the best surfaces for natural fill light, Val. So okay. obviously we talked about those uh, the windows uh, on the outside of uh, buildings, so like mi- mirrored surfaces uh, make uh, great fill, uh, and um, so do like obviously white walls and natural coloured walls. So you know. Um, Look for those sorts of uh, surfaces, as does sand and um, and windows as well, and other things like if you've got anything where there's a large white surface. So like you know, I've had I've been shooting and suddenly like a, a big uh, white you know those big white refrigerator trucks. Oh yes. Just pulled up opposite you know behind me, and so suddenly I've got this amazing fill on my model, and I'm like, oh. Please don't move, Mr. Truck Driver, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. And other little things, little hacks you can do, wear a white shirt when you're shooting. Oh, you mean as the photographer, wear the white shirt? Yeah, wear the white shirt. And then you, you're you actually a human fill board. You're the fill light. You know? You're the fill light, so you can and offer that. So some natural... Um, fill lights that you probably should avoid are like different coloured walls and pavements. So if you um, try and photograph someone on a bright sunny day uh, against a red wall, the light is going to hit that wall and reflect a colour cast over your person. And what happens is your eyes uh, acclimate and you're not actually seeing the red colour cast. You Mm. won't notice it until you get that image uh, onto your computer and you go, oh my God, why is their face so red? Because you picked up the color cast the other thing where i've seen it happen a lot and i've made this mistake myself is like on a bright sunny day if you've got someone in the park and maybe just near them there might be like a you know a bank of trees or foliage and that's hitting the sun is hitting that foliage and then it bounces light back onto the face you'll get like a green cast as well so uh foliage isn't that great you can make your own valve so you can just carry um a piece of white card yes with you wherever you go and you can get those uh, awesome pop-up five-in-one uh, reflectors, reflectors uh, yeah. yeah and uh, they're fantastic for all of that so I, mm. I, I always have two in my in my camera kit and um, just so that I can um, use them as, as you know put one on the ground put one you know behind you can use them as a hair light you can do so so many different things if you don't want to buy one those uh pizza dishes are great and so are the things that you get uh cheesecakes on (laughs) (laughs) okay so um with the five-in-ones, so I said that the silver light is edgier. It's going to give you a more contrasty light. So if you need more kick in your shot, then use the silver. I, I tend to use the white side because it's like it provides a softer kind of fill light. And the other technique that you can use with fill is like sometimes if you're out in full sun and uh, you bounce, uh, reflect that silver light back into someone or even white, it can be too much. And again, you're getting that overlit, overdone shot. It's too much fill mm. and it starts to look lit. So what you can do is uh, just change the angle that you're um, – that you're reflecting the light and rather than hitting the person full on in the face, you skim it a bit. Um, and as mm. I'm thinking about this, Val, I think this is probably you and I should do a, uh, a demo for the community, for the goal community on mm. like how to use the skimming and things like that. It'd be a good mm. one. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So because you're not getting the full impact 
of uh, the light, you're just getting the edge. And I use the sort of skimming technique when I'm using soft boxes as well with flash so that you're not having the full impact of the light. You're just having sort of a more feathered effect and yes. it can be a really beautiful soft way to add fill to your shots. We all know how I feel about gold, the gold side. <laughs> I think uh, you're I, being really unfair to the gold side gold, of the reflector. I know, very harsh. So, I found a use for it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Go on. No, no, this is a serious use. All right, then. Um, it, early, early, early morning, yes. uh, the light is very blue. Yes, So yes. if you're doing portraits early in the morning and you perhaps just want to warm it up a little bit, yes. maybe skim a little bit of gold. Okay. And I say that, it's like I get a tickle in my throat. Oh, my um, goodness. You're very unkind to the gold side of the reflector. Speaking, but that's all right. Um, have a go at that and that, that, that might help. So maybe I would do – and I have seen there are, there are reflectors that you can get that have like a silver and gold sort of combo. Mm. So it's not as much. It's a little bit um, more palatable. So okay. have a go. Otherwise, just leave it in the 80s. Where oh, it my goodness. <laughs> I'm not that anti-gold, but anyway. Uh, you, you like not a bit really. of gold now. I don't mind it. Good, yeah. Now. That's okay. Anyway. Makes, you love your real housewives of uh, wherever. <laughs> they love yes. a bit of gold too, don't they? Oh, do they? Oh, Look at you them. mean gold reflector? They, they just love a bit of bling. So, oh, like, right. you know, you'd, you'd pull the gold reflector out if you're doing a shoot with those guys because oh, it just yes, adds to the razzmatazz. Yes. yes, which you have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep going. So, now, adding fill flash. There are times that um, you've got a shot and everything is looking great. There is enough light. You don't need to add a whole lot of fill light. But if you look into the eyes, there isn't a good catch light. So all right, you yes. do is mm. add like, and I've got a new technical term to add <laughs> to a, a measurement of light. Yes. To get a good catch light. Yes. Say it's like a open, beautifully lit, uh, overcast day, or you're in open shade, but there isn't anything bright behind you to give you a good catch light. You yes. just want to add a small ping of light. Ping. A ping. Okay. Of light. Ping of light. Is that different to a duck? A dook is a large amount of light. It's a oh. good helping. A ping is just like a ding, ding, ding. Okay. Just a tiny amount just to give that little ping in the eyes, just to give that little bit of light. Just a How little will you do that if there is no light there? So what you do is uh, you can either add the catch light by holding something white or silver up behind you so you can okay. have uh, the uh, reflector. Like your cheesecake platter. Or the cheesecake platter mm. or uh, your white reflector, okay, that will add a little bit of a catch light. Or you can do it artificially by adding fill flash. Now, mm. the trick is that you don't want to overlight. So if you just want to add bing, a little bing to, your, to, the, to the eyes, uh -huh. basically what you do is you've got your, uh, you've got your, your flash, you take a reading of your subject you're exposing for skin tone. So you're either using your light meter, which will give you the most accurate reading, or 
using your camera meter is going to give you – so the light meter gives you the actual reading, what the, the actual light, light is. hitting the light meter. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. The camera meter, Hans, gives you a reflected reading. So for Off new listeners, yeah, Hans is the guy who programs the cameras universally. Of the world. <laughs> of the world, yes. Yeah. So um, – and it, it's a reflected reading, so it's the light coming off the skin tone. So if you, um, you're using your camera meter, you want to get the correct skin tone, so you want to increase your exposure by half a stop to one stop if you're shooting light skin tones mm-hmm. and decrease your exposure by half a stop to one stop for dark skin tones because Hans, the guy who programs the camera, reads uh, wants to give you the correct exposure for a, uh, a, a middle area, for the average. So tone, if, not a white and so not a black. So it's always ta- average. What you're saying is if you're taking a reading from your light meter, that's it, that's the reading. That's but that's if you're right taking reading. it off the camera meter, camera light meter, you should increase the exposure by half to one stop for light skin tones and decrease the exposure by half to one stop for dark skin tones. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So now you've got your exposure. You can shoot that shot and you, without a ping, you're going to get a nice shot, but you're going to get that shark eye effect. Shark eyes are where uh, the eyes are dark. There isn't a catch light. And, and it, 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 I thought that was snake eyes. We it was shark eyes. Snake, uh, snake eyes black as well. I don't we know, can I've always re- referred to them as shark eyes. Okay, shark eyes. Well, that, shark like eyes, black, no catch light. Yeah, got okay? it. So you've got a great photo. It's just missing the catch light. What you do now is if you're shooting uh, flash on camera, set your flash to TTL. All right, that's through the lens and it'll automatically uh, adjust the exposure. And then what you want to do is dial your exposure all the way down so that it's not really making an impact on the skin tone. We're just adding a ping. So all it's going to do is put a little flash and the only place you're going to see it is anywhere shiny like the the surface of the eyes. So you'll get a little ping in the eyes. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. If you wanted to add a dook of light, <laughs> then you'd want to actually increase the exposure of your flash. So um, – I see. So you're using it – use yeah, you use the just, flash on just, camera, but you power just it down enough. Catch light, power enough just a beep. It's mm. just a little beep. Ding, ding. <laughs> you're, you're getting confusing now because now you've confused. introduced the beep. All right, so um, remember that your shutter speed uh, controls uh, the amount of ambient light in the shot. So if you want to make your overall scene brighter, you can slow your shutter speed down, okay? And this is uh, um, important if, say, you're shooting someone uh, inside. It might be uh, like there might be lights on inside and you want it to look like natural inside, you slow your shutter speed down so you pick up more of the ambient light. So you might be able to see more of the lights in, inside the room and can pick up more of the warmth of the room, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, and if you want your overall scene to be a bit darker, speed up your shutter speed and that's going to yeah. drop the ambient light down and that gives you a, uh, a moodier shot overall, okay? 
It's great advice. Okay, so um, off-camera flash, Val. Yes. Um, the trick is when you're lighting and just we're just adding a duke of light now to our portraits outside, uh, the, the, the common uh, mistake is to just overdo it, uh, overpower the flash a yes. little bit and, and, and then it looks uh, – your image looks too hot and that's – when I say too hot, it's not in a good way. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> it's in, it's in yes. a, you know, it's too hot as in it's too bright or mm. overlit. So I've actually got a couple of examples in the show notes of shots that I've done, Val, and mm. the, uh, the, the the first image I've got is that example where uh, the, it's overlit and you so can basically, see. Yeah, it's a guy um, in a laneway, but it's not nighttime. However, because it's a laneway and the buildings are quite, quite tall, it's quite dark in that laneway and there's kind of cobblestones and he's just wearing, you know, jeans and a, a T-shirt and he's in the middle of the laneway and Gina's assistant is holding a light up to his face and it is very it is it, it, you can tell it's overlit yeah it, yes my question though Gina is this a flash or is this a constant light no, that's a flash that the uh, the assistant is holding. So oh. this is a shot that shows uh, the flash. Okay, okay. so mm. uh, ha- hard hard lighting, mm. and uh, when you overexpose, it increases the contrast. You can see the shadow under his chin mm. uh, in, in the eye sockets, and it looks overlit. It's overdone. All right. Mm. So that was my mm. uh, first test shot, yep. and uh, when I got that, uh, I powered down, and uh, the next image shows it. Uh, Reducing the flash power uh, actually gives me a more natural-looking uh, portrait if I took my assistant <laughs> out of the shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did actually. Uh, so what? I, that's how I shoot, Val. I, I like <laughs> to have my light very close to my models mm-hmm. and I have my assistants, like, walking along next to them, uh, a voice-activated light stand there. <laughs> and uh, Anthony, he, that, that's the assistant Anthony. And um, what I do is uh, at the end of the shoot I get him to jump out of the frame mm-hmm. and I lock off my exposure and uh, take a clean plate so it's very easy in um in Photoshop to assistant remove yeah, everyone everyone out of the frame yeah. and uh, and then I've got a clean plate, clean background and then it's very easy to actually uh, remove the model. And I think there's uh, several examples of that. If you just check out my website if you want to know how to do that. Uh, I've um, done tutorials uh, through the new newsletter I think Val and there's yeah. heaps on on the community about how to, how to do that technique. and how to work that way so uh looks far more natural so um that, that that's like my go-to like I look at it and I'm thinking does it look lit or does it look overlit mm. and so and 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 sometimes I'm like you know if I, if I shot this the way I saw it it wouldn't be as moody I like to drop my background down and make it a bit moodier but I still don't want it to look that overlit where it glows you know jumps out of the shot so I'm a bit more conservative uh, mm. when it comes to um to, to lighting and uh, I'm starting to sort of it feels like more and more I'm tr- trying to underlight rather than overlight and I want to see some tone and shadows and try and make it look as uh, as natural as possible yeah 
Yeah, right. fantastic. So, mm-hmm. A couple of important things to remember. So you shutter speed, when you're using flash, you've got to be at around uh, at 200 if you're on a Canon, uh, 250 for a Nikon or lower uh, for off-camera flash because otherwise the camera's not going to sync with the flash and you end up with a black line because the camera shutter isn't fast enough to keep up with the flash. So you get the uh, the line of the, uh, the shutter in the mm. shot. Okay, so here's where it gets really cool. You can add a dook of light and mm. use a reflector as well to bounce light back in. This is called the double dook valve. <laughs> the double dook. <laughs> so, hang on, so, hang on. I'm trying to understand. So you're actually you're adding the dook with a flash. Yeah, so I'm adding a dook of light into the face with flash. Yes. And then you can actually uh, have a reflector like under their face, which yes. which the flash bounces into the reflector and back up into their face. Double dook, Val, double dook. <laughs> and it's it's filling up the shadows even more. So I'm using okay. it a lot when I'm shooting portraits outside and I want to eliminate uh, the, the hard shadow that the uh, the flash might use, particularly if I'm using a harder modifier like a, you know, a, a beauty dish or something like that. So the right. double dook <laughs> works a treat okay. uh, for just uh, evening out uh, – the light and you can still sort of work on your ratios so you've still got those shadows mm. but they're not as harsh so you can play with the different levels and have your contrast as high as you like or have your shot as uh, flat as you like so you can add mm. ping with a reflector which I mentioned just by <laughs> holding a uh, reflector behind your I'm head holding the cheesecake platter up the cheesecake platter or just mm-hmm. get a friend to hold the cheesecake platter or mm-hmm. just um, I don't know find a wall where they're happens to be a cheese platter (laughs) (laughs) stuck to the wall. What if your Uh, friend, like, um, held their iPhone on flashlight? That would work as well, Val. Mm-hmm. That's going to add a little ding. But but I I actually imagine that it's almost too much. That that flashlight is yeah, a little right. too too much. So mm. if you had like a a smaller version or a way to power down the mm. flashlight, so it's just mm. a tiny little you know um, um, ping of light. Yes. I had another term for dook, uh, mm. and uh, but it didn't work because um, it's got another meaning. So. Anyway, you can add uh, um, the quality of fill. Which letter changed? <laughs> just, just now we're 14. Oh, dear. Um, so... Um, the quality of fill is mm. influenced by the size and proximity of proximity of light to your model. So yes. if you're using a large modifier, it's going to give you a softer light, less contrast than a mm. smaller modifier. So think mm. about that as well. And if you want your light to be softer, then bring it as close to your model as you can. And that's why I do all those things where I have the, I always have lights in my shots now and uh, I know that I can uh, remove them in post if I'm shooting to tripod. Hang um, on, if you want your light to be softer, move mm, it closer to your yes, model. Yes, it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive, I know, but the closer your light source is to your model, the softer the light. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
And if you want, I'll do an experiment with you uh, when you bring your lights down, Val. I'll light okay. you. So you think about the sun. Uh, at, at No, it doesn't work with the sun. But like... <laughs> Um, it's your it does, but it does, it's just really hard to explain. But, okay. But, like, but basically, uh, if you uh, get a torch, Val, mm-hmm. and uh, just have, say, uh, a ping pong ball or something like that or a golf ball on, on your desk, mm-hmm. take the torch and um, light the ping pong ball from the other side of the room and have a look at the shadow. Yeah, then right. bring the torch and bring it all the way right up next to the ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that the uh, the light, the quality of the light, is much softer because it wraps around the entire. Oh, okay. Yes. Ball. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Closer hmm. the light is to your model, the softer the light source. Doesn't make sense, but it works mm. for reals. Totally. For reals. <laughs> um, so. Always make sure that you match your fill light to your background light. So um, if you've got like if you're shooting on a hard sunny day, high contrast, it's probably best to use a contrastier light source to match the lighting. Okay, if you're working on a soft overcast day and you just want to add that little dook of light, it you know, naked flash is going to give you a really hard light. So you want to maybe use a modifier that that matches the type of light that you're using. So something like a you know, a large soft box is going to be, or an umbrella even, mm. is going to be a softer light source and it's going to match the, the ambient light that you're working with mm. for that little dook of light. There that you go. That is an interesting point. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. That was a great episode, Gina. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Like double uh, dook? <laughs> yes, I like double duke. I'm still keen to know what your alternative word for duke is. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll tell me one day. Um, I hope that listeners got as much out of it as I did. I thought it was fantastic. Now, of course, we have hashtag Gina Challenge every week. And uh, if you're new to us, that is something that we do every week. It's hashtag Gina Challenge and then hashtag a particular theme or topic. And you can interpret that theme or topic however you like and then we upload to the Facebook group or to the gold community our hashtag Gina challenge for that week and um it's just great to see what different people come up with it's such a great community if you want to join us on Facebook just uh, search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on Facebook it's free to join and if you want to check out the gold community which is our awesome membership community at ginamilitia.com where you get regular tutorials that are revealed to you each month as well as a live uh, mastermind with Gina where you can ask her anything as well as some great photo critiques from Gina and a wonderful community just to talk to each other and hang out then do check that out at ginamilitia.com that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a so Gina what is hashtag Gina challenge for this week hashtag Gina challenge is bing p-i-n-g p-i-n-g yeah. Right, P-I-N-G, Ping, you can interpret that however you like. It doesn't have to be about lighting even. But, uh, <laughs> but it would be really interesting to see what you come up with. So anyway, between now and when I catch up with you, what are you going to be up to? 
Oh my god, I'm working on uh, three separate shoots at the moment. Wow. So and I'm, I'm just uh, be getting everything organised so I can hang out with you and uh, check out your new lights and we can do lots of good stuff. What about you? You're going to be speaking, resting your voice. What else? I will be resting my voice and then in a couple of days I will be speaking at a big event in Sydney. So that should be fun. Hopefully, my awesome. voice will be fully back by then. Uh, and then uh, and then yeah, I'll be heading to Melbourne. So it's going to be it's going to mm-hmm. be good to you know. We'll, Can't wait. We'll drink some champagne. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, Gina, where do we find you online? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm uh, hanging out in the uh, podcast community regularly and uh, also at Gina Militia on Instagram and at Gina Militia on Twitter. Awesome. And I'm at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also in the podcast community and you can easily find me on Facebook. I'm the Valerie Koo that's in Sydney. And, uh, yeah, I look forward – well, we both look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources – and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.